Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm Michael Curzon and I'm joined as ever by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? After a few days of rain and grey and, and over, overdraft, the, the sun has returned to us. There was not a cloud in the sky. It's a beautiful day and uh, let's talk the news. You're like a politician. Ask one question, answer another, which no one wanted to hear. We've heard it over and over again. We're not interested, but you insist on doing it anyway. I'll, <laughs> I'm sure... I'll, I'll have you know that I, I've had many DMs thanking me for the weather reports. I don't believe it. I want proof. Many, um, many of our listeners uh, live in uh, live in windowless basements, and they and they, they need my weather updates. These aren't your fake accounts, are they, that you use to make your profile look bigger? I actually do know one of the regulars who does live in a basement. Right. Well, there you are. <laughs> well is that because you forced them to listen to it? <laughs> yeah. It's Luke's basement. Yes. Yeah. Luke, uh, on, on that. They're, they're, they're strapped to a chair. Right. <laughs> I think we've got the point. <laughs> we certainly have now. Um, well... I suppose the the overriding story this week. Last week we we're talking about the the new World Health Organization treaty, which is uh, being proposed, which um, would essentially allow uh, an international body to overrule um, sort of national sovereignty in many areas uh, in order to um, determine sort of responses to future pandemics. Um, and we've we've got already the uh, the fear mongering about monkeypox going on, despite it appearing only to affect uh, small groups of people, uh, not a sort of general population risk, um, which has, has barely been discussed. Um, and this week we've got Davos, which uh, I, I don't know why they put these things on it. It seems the only people who actually take any interest in it are, are people who, uh, who who like to claim Klaus Schwab has, sort of is ruling the world. Is the is the master puppeteer? Um, the the only people who, who pay any attention. Um, but of course, these are people with, with a lot of power, um, and I think they they do um, at the very least put um, sort of direct conversations. They they force certain topics onto the table, um, and and that's something we've been been seeing this week not only about what's happening now but what's happening in the future with with some lines that you've picked up on Sam yeah it's it's, it's hard not to make such a uh, assessment of Mr Klaus Schwab when he when he says things <laughs> like uh, the future is built by us um, by a powerful community as you hear in this room um, mm. this is a, this is a man who has openly boasted about the fact that his uh, young global leaders program has um, resulted in numerous heads of state around the world, including uh, Justin Trudeau, Emmanuel Macron, and I believe um, Jacinda Ardern as well, who are all graduates of this program. Um, mm -hmm. The guy is very boastful about this. And, and um, I suppose one positive of the last couple of years is that this man has now become a household name. Whereas, um, you know, bear in mind the, the WEF has been around for decades um, yeah. and is not has not held any sort of public significance until now. Well, the, the guy has been leading a sort of breadcrumb trail of clues to his various nefarious plans. Um, he's, you know, he, he, he's written a couple of books um, that read like dystopian sci-fi. Um, he, he wrote a book called The uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution in which, in which he envisioned a world of uh, biometric data and transhumanism, um, sort of, uh, he views uh, human biology as, as, as a thing to be conquered and transcended rather than sort of left to flourish naturally. Um, I've got to say, these are the points that sort of uh, turn me off Elon Musk a bit as well. I quite yeah, like yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because of uh, free speech. I, I, do, I do think he has genuine concerns about that. 
from what I've read and what I've heard him say. But some of the some of the projects he's engaging on with you know uh, with uh, the implementation of chips and communication yeah. without uh, without the use of <laughs> mouths or hands, just yeah. via chips in brains, is a bit and colonizing uh, Mars and well, yeah. Um, <laughs> It's it's true. These people, especially over the last two years, it's a good point actually. If you'd if you'd walked down the streets and asked people about Klaus Schwab a few years ago, you'd have uh, you'd have had a load of empty expressions. But I think now you'd 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 find at least a few people who are willing to give you a good rant about how he's uh, ruining the world. Um, yeah, I mean, and the theme of this this year's event is uh, history at a turning point, government and business strategies, um, which is it's it's telling because you know one thing we've seen over the last couple of years, pre preceding COVID by a good couple of years, is this sort of symbiosis between um, the between various governments and the the, the higher echelon of corporations. Um, mm. Well, one know, of my one of the favourite things I saw actually a brief clip from the conference was somebody describing uh, COVID as one of the most profitable uh, one of the most profitable areas. And laughing, humankind. Yeah, and, and laughing about it. Yeah, um, but like also you know during COVID, I mean you know um, small sort of brick and mortar mum and pop restaurants were closed down and many of them are gone now. Whereas um, if you were Amazon or like a major restaurant chain, you were allowed to open. You know? Yeah. Um, also, going before COVID, I mean, essentially, the the US government has outsourced its violations of the First Amendment to corporations, to Twitter and Facebook and Google. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all true. It's it's not just the fact that uh, Mr. Schwab has um written some books that are sound openly dystopian, but it, his World Economic Forum has done many a PR campaign that's been openly dystopian as well. I mean, we remember the, um, you, you will, uh, by 2030, you will own nothing, you'll have no privacy, uh, and you'll, you'll be have happy. the time of your life. Yeah. And um, even at, at Davos, part of uh, one of the core themes of this turning point in history is the shift to green energy. And this sort of been latched onto with the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine by saying that, you know, we can't rely on fuse anymore, and we can't. But rather than just becoming more reliable through fossils or just digging into our own resources under our feet, it's to give all these technocrats in Switzerland and just to give them more power across the world. And they've already infiltrated many governments. This isn't conspiratorial, as I say, Klaus Schwab has admitted that. And any people who try to bring it up are just shut down as baseless conspiracies and we all know if, if they're telling you that it must be true and in the canadian parliament so justin trudeau is one of the many conquered souls but one of the um uh, mps tried to bring up the fact that uh there are pe people connected with the uh the world Economic forum in parliament and the canadian government and uh while she was given her speech the, the speaker immediately shut her down <laughs> and then an mp across the chamber just again latched onto the uh, the conspiracy argument so it, it, it's clear what, what what's going on i mean class jobs is undeterred by by this of course uh, all the decisions have already been made and all the, the chess pieces have been put into action davos is just a meet up and a handshake it's not really to discuss anything hmm. the the guy is it's almost as if he's trying to be a bond villain you know uh, there are pictures of him where he's wearing almost like like, like clothing out of a sci-fi movie um again this is like david like haven seeing things like this like well it must be must be some form of ritual it's like the alex what's the, is it the bilderberg oh, oh no uh, the um uh bohemian grove 
yeah that's it bohemian grove um where they what what is it there's a large owl and they they sacrifice i think what he thought was actually a child but it's supposed to be an effigy to a yeah, child it's an effigy yeah 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 i mean <clears throat> i mean you know i mean i think one thing that's defined western elites for for a very long time is a sort of ritualistic kind of cloak and daggers thing right i mean you know um anything from like freemasonry to, 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 to like sort of the, the skull and bones club that the bush um presidents were members of well our our own leaders now are mostly from eton or or even indeed when they were at oxford they're right. part of the bullingdon club which yeah, has yeah, yeah. plenty of its own rituals which we're we're all very well aware of mm. i mean yeah the, the, the picture of you know cameron johnson and osborne in the same club right um but it's yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 really strange how how much it's hiding in plain sight now, whereas yeah. you know, um, this ten years ago this could so easily be dismissed as just as just a tinfoil hat theory, but now they're on a grand stage with you know various heads of state around the world just openly admitting to what's going on. Um, and you mentioned green energy, Luke. Well, the um, the, the people there repping uh, the UK and the US are both in that sort of ballpark. You've got John Kerry, who's uh, Biden's climate envoy, and uh, Alok Sharma, who um, presided over the COP26 meeting last yeah. November. Um, yeah. Those are the those two are um, representing the, the US and, and the UK. Um, right. Yeah. Well, it's it's like as well through COVID, we it's these clips you see of of people all around the world, uh, uh, politicians, business leaders, um, tycoons, and 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 royal family members as well, all use reading from literally the same script with the, with the Build Back Better narrative. Yeah. yeah, which which again you you sort of it's I, I really want that with all these things to sort of laugh them off and say oh what a what a joke this is just uh, this is some crazy thing it's it's entertaining watching a bit of Alex Jones but it's all nonsense really but then they all go around saying as you say the exact same thing you think well hang on a minute someone has told them to say this there's someone who is briefing on this and and um, I'm sure they're not perhaps not aware of it themselves it must just be their staffers who say right you've got to put this in the speech this is this will go down a bomb. Uh, this is this is what people are after, um, but yeah, who? Where are these briefs coming from in the first place? Because those three words haven't materialised from from nowhere, surely. Um, and it's not to say that it has to be nefarious um, that people are all saying these things, but it's certainly an easy conclusion to draw. And you can you can understand why people say this when, as you say, especially in the age of social media, so much of this is is hidden in plain sight. I know on, on Twitter recently, I, I've seen a there's always a flood of a flood of posts where um, it's got a screenshot of say you know a very, very elitist news article or um, something that just proves that this is hiding in plain sight, and then just a, a face from Alex Jones <laughs> pairing them together. Yeah, no, you can't. I mean, it is as I say, it is amusing, but there are occasions where you sort of have to have to dig a bit deeper and say, well, hang on a minute, let's. Uh... Let's, when the World Economic Forum talks talks about um, a future digestible medical pill, and that has yeah. a tracking in it that will alert your GP that, that you have consumed it. I mean, what what what, what conclusion are we meant to draw? We, we can't laugh that off. I mean, we know what a me- medical tyranny can do, and we know what it's yeah. we know it's, we know it's capable of, and um, it can be brought back at the flick of a switch. What a what a change we've we've experienced. So, 
we surely just want to live quite peaceful lives where we do a bit of work we we have our families have a home we have our communities with the pubs or the club all that sort of thing and you go home in the evening and go to bed and you'd like to think all of this is interrupted but so much now is is managed not just by people who uh, we elect and of course those people who we elect are selected by uh, certain groups it's not there's not really a, a true form of democracy not that that would be any good either I might say um, but every single decision now is is being is being cast out to a, a narrower and narrower group which has a larger and larger say over things it isn't um, it, who asked for this I think is the important question uh, well certainly not me um, not sure of anybody else who did either, but it's it, it is it is frustrating because there's bec also because it's not just the people who we do elect um, who are who are sort of presiding over these things. It makes it very difficult to change. Mm -hmm. How do you, how is it that you break off from this? Because changing the stock of politicians isn't going to do it by itself. Um, as someone like Trump, for example, showed, he was a complete outsider, and uh, within no time, the the US was back to its normal games as i'm sure we would be if we managed somehow to get rid of boris and kia um so it is a it is a very strange um very also, strange I think, I think power. one thing that's highlighted is the is the, is the, the sheer gulf between um mainstream and, and and fringe media um there was a quite 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 a telling exchange between uh rv yemeni who's a reporter at rebel news um which is you know a bit hit or miss but it, it was still they were there trying trying to sort of you know um cut cover the event and he bumped into the editor-in-chief of the new york times who was a um who was a who was an exalted invited guest um in, in, sort of with the implication that she wasn't then going to go back to new york and and write a sort of a, a um a questioning article of of the event like why are all these heads of state and, and government um ministries and companies and corporations and NGOs meeting in, in secret in that in Switzerland um, mm. and she had no answer, no answer to the question uh, likewise um, uh, Jack Posobiec a US journalist was um, sort of harassed and detained by local police who um, were, uh, who well, obviously we mentioned this before the recording but uh, who were wearing uh, WEF badges they, I mean they were local police they weren't you know they weren't uh, Schwab's, you know, sort of um, uh, <laughs> built, built built in a built in a factory goons, but I mean, um, you, it was still that the local police were at the beck and call of what is yeah. essentially an NGO. Well, this goes back, doesn't it, into what we were saying a moment ago with the the ritualism. What what the police say is that they they do this to mark the the annual event. There's sort of a, a fact check that I, I read quickly from from Reuters, which says no, the WF doesn't have. Uh, don't pull a face. I quite like Reuters actually. I think it's I think it's one of the good ones, but maybe not. You, you know, fact checkers are just glorified propagandists. Oh, fact check. Oh, yeah, fact checkers. I definitely agree. That's true. Um, but let's if we take it at face value, they say no, they haven't got a police force. All that happens is that the local police use these things uh, to to mark the ceremony, which is also shouldn't be happening. It's ridiculous. It's, it's as we were saying. It's like uh, police officers. You, you're sort of. Most people have seen the police officer with a a, a, a rainbow flagged hat, um, which is just please just do your job, um, or or just stop altogether. Which is Hitchens's line now actually for, to to abolish the police, and <laughs> he actually agrees with Black Lives Matter, I suppose. Uh, but 
perhaps not with the end conclusion of setting up a force which actually does patrol and actually does uh, work to prevent crime. I mean, speaking of open propaganda, speaking of open propaganda from the media, I've brought up the the recent New York Times articles about Davos, and uh, I, I found one which just takes a biscuit. And the headline is Davos for the elite, yes, ostentatious, yes, but also effective. And the first sentence of the article goes: For all the criticism of the World Economic Forum's display of wealth, productive partnerships are indeed formed formed at Davos. Well then. Wonder yeah. how they came to that conclusion. Yeah, partnerships between <laughs> the New York Times and some partnerships between between increasingly authoritarian governments and increasingly pliant media, corrupt corporations, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, like well, I, I don't know what you mean. Any of that over the past three years? No, oh. <laughs> maybe we have. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it, it does sort of slap you in the face, doesn't it? While while pretending it's not there. Um, so there are. are there there, there is a political pipeline called uh, "It's a Conspiracy Theory" to "It's Good Actually." Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. Is, that, that's been brought out. It's in not drives. happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. Okay, it's happening, but it's a good thing. It's, it's like with inflation. Oh, it's not happening. It's 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 transitionary. Um, Putin did it. Uh, yeah. Here, why inflation may be good for you. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. You know, put put you on a state enforced diet. Yeah. Well, just to just to bore everybody for a moment, we might as well talk about a, another sort of changing, shifting story, which was uh, Partygate, which went from. Uh, but Labour and Ian Blackford had the the same script, didn't they? Every week, first he said there was no party, then there was a party, but he didn't know about it. All this nonsense, and then it did happen, and just whatever. Everybody, though, again with this, has missed surely the most important point of of Sue Gray's report, which which tells of uh, Downing Street staff leaving by the back door, which tells of text messages telling them not to wave their beer and wine about because the press conference cameras might still be on, which uh, contains messages from Lee Kane, who's one of the one of the staffers that used to be a staffer, I think, at Downing Street, basically saying that this could be a big communications risk and someone else saying that we've got away with it. Surely all this shows well, you've got to ask yourself, why are they leaving by the back door? Why are they hiding the bottles? It's not because, you know, the back door is the COVID-free exit. You know, if we leave by the front door, we might get COVID and die. Um, why is it a communication risk? Again, it's not because of um, anything to do with uh, the, the risk of the virus itself. The only risk that was involved was in the public realising that those who day in, day out, screamed through our televisions, our newspapers and radios, and, and through them, uh, our, our relatives and, and, and loved ones and, and neighbours and so on, uh, that COVID was such a scary thing, that these people didn't think it was scary themselves. Well, um, this, was, this is what we were saying a while ago, right, where um, the scandal is the hypocrisy of it, right? It's the, it's the fact that there was a, <clears throat> a culture of contempt for the laws that they, uh, they created. Because, um, you know, I think we, we all agree that you know, banning uh, people people meeting and, and, and socializing should never have been a crime, right? It, that should never have been um, a crime to, to socialize, but they made the rules. Yeah. Um, so th that, that's where the scandal lies, is in the fact that they they inflicted a, a, a unprecedented misery upon the population while also not being held to them. Yeah, but again, I think I think the point is not that they broke the rules. I think the, the point is that they made the rules in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Despite yeah. the fact they weren't scared of it. So they weren't scared of this thing, and they still imposed these preventative measures when their own actions show 
not just hypocrisy because that's sort of that's a that's not groundbreaking news, but the fact that they weren't afraid of it in the first place. Hmm. That I think is the, the sort of the scoop, but no one's picked up on it. Yeah, and, and, and an even oh, bigger an even bigger slap in the face is um, a recent um, uh, report shows that um, actually people who are asymptomatic um, spread COVID at a much lower rate than initially thought, which was the justification for um, total curbs on, on, on socialising. Well, yeah, well, that's. I think that the longer we move away from the, the further we go from from the lockdowns, the more that will come out to show just how ridiculous it was. Hmm. And I, I remember me and Pizarus wrote um, perhaps the night before lockdown was first imposed, which was our, our main sort of piece of coverage of lockdown in the first place, was that um, you know extraordinary times don't necessarily ask for extraordinary measures, um, and that we ought to wait a moment, perhaps examine what's going on a little more carefully before we decide on the most disastrous policy uh, in, a, in a century, if not longer. Um, mm. But of course, that didn't happen. Um, we did go ahead with locking down and we did it again and again. And, and even like the spectator now is being more and more critical of the government, despite the fact that it supported uh, some of the lockdown. I think it supported the third lockdown. Um, it supported other of the measures. So there's a lot of... Uh, the, the press can certainly be accused of hypocrisy with people now saying, oh, we should never have done this thing in the first place when it was them who who quite happily uh, took up advertisement space with uh, the look into their eyes slots, which which scared us into our hands in the first place. Mm. Um, so, yes, I think everybody now is it. Well, it, we've said this many times as well. It's like the Iraq war. Try finding an opponent of sorry, a proponent of the Iraq war uh, 10 years on. You'll have a very difficult job. Mm. But at the time, they were all over the place. Um, I think mm. we might have the same with lockdowns. Well, also, uh, the so-called Passgate has done, and also the beer gate with Starmer, is that it's also given the the press that you know wall-to-wall -wall coverage of this well, farce, really. But it's also given the the political class just to get our jail free card regarding all the other problems that are going on at the moment as well. So, what should be dominating the headlines is. Um, well, of course, the cost of living crisis and how are people going to heat their homes by the winter. But but no, we get um these big these panorama style you know, documentaries and investigations on the the rule breaking. Maybe what the BBC did is when they just made it look like a crime scene, they blacked out the uh, the camera the uh, the uh, interviewers' faces, and the, an actor's voice was impersonating them. It made the, I think uh, Daily Mail were talking about this uh, today. It just made it look like it was more serious than it actually is. And of course, the real crime is the rule should not be in the first place. Yeah. And it's just it's like uh, it's like looking into a closed game of the elites. It's they're having this little mini proxy war over uh, two separate locations in Durham and Whitehall over you know, rule breaking, which um, well the rules they are. Uh, they enacted and imposed upon us mm. and it's just for the ordinary people they do not care about party game mm. they do not ask, ask anyone at the pub they're worried about how they're going to stick fuel in their car mm. yeah no it's so true I, when i did a when i had to go around stoke for the express and talk to voters for some pieces in that one voter who i talked to a young musician i said what do you think about this party gate story then they said oh, i don't know what you're on about i've not heard of it so right, no problem. Uh, well, well, tell me what you thought about the lockdowns then. Oh well, uh, I'm a musician. It stopped me working for two years, and it might have completely damaged my career moving forward. That's what they cared about. They cared about making money, about how the past few years have impacted their their lives in terms of you know their careers and their families. 
this Partygate thing, in this case, he didn't even know about it. I thought that was well, Doesn't that tell you, actually, going back to the Davos thing, that despite this sort of posturing of the elites towards this, you know, borderless, globalised, complete synergy between nations, world, people's concerns are ultimately local? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, people's concerns initially... I think are local as in within themselves. It's, it's sort of selfish concerns. Not that that's a bad thing. That's that's how humans operate. And that beyond that, you know, once once personal individual needs have been covered, it goes to the local. It takes a very long time before people start caring about things going on elsewhere. And we, we see that with Ukraine. Um, in fact, you we were saying before we recorded um, that you know we we're very interested about Ukraine for a very short amount of time. And now in America, as you said, where they're, they're trying to get Biden to give a bit more support to uh, the Ukrainians. Um, well, we've had a, a school shooting, which was horrific. And we've had um, other events. I, I can't quite re remember quite what it was, but they've also got problems with cost of living and sort of inflation and impending fears about food crises, which means all of a sudden they're not interested in Ukraine. They're, they're more interested about what's going on at home. And well, that's how people operate. People criticize that, but you can't really help it. It's just the way it is. Uh, as much as as much as people might try and change it, hmm. Hmm. well, I think that's a that's a nice way to tie up, ending on a on a localized point, um, which I suppose really is one of one of the magazine's primary concerns. Um, so, thanks everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you have a good weekend. Join us again next week. Cheers.